Now I'm seeing the lodge in a new way. I still want to compete for titles in Muni League softball, yes. <laughs> but I also cannot deny some strange doors have been opening around here. New rooms have been discovered. And as we move forward, we should keep an eye on the past, history, and traditions that got us here. Let us dig deep and let us remember that outside these walls, the world can be a cold, cold place. But in here, when we're all together, it's different. It's different in here. Anybody seen a night past this way? I saw him playing chess with death yesterday. His crusade was a search for God, and they say it's been a long way to carry on. Hello and welcome to Pod 49, a fan podcast dedicated to the short-lived but well-loved AMC show Lodge 49. The devotee, the follower of this podcast, might have noticed that I am not our usual master of ceremonies, Chris Lawrence, but I am Claire Edwards, editor, part-time co-host, and a full-time Oklahoma expat. So the reason for this is simple. Um, Chris, Bart, and Jim were so excited about the guests that we have this week that they forgot to record an intro on the day. And also, I couldn't be there for the interview, and I hate to be left out, so I had to record something. This episode is also significant in that it marks a departure from the rewatch recap format we've been embracing over the last several months uh, as we were rewatching season one and um we've kind of traded that out for a more traditional interview format and damn y'all what a guest do we have for you guys today it's our very own luminous knight the rightful sovereign protector of lodge 49 uh brent jennings but you may know him best as ernie fontaine so without further ado or further ado, let's catch up with our boys who are mid-interview uh, this is a really special one, and I sure hope y'all enjoy it. Thanks. I mean, it's All almost right. like the show was like tailor made for <clears throat> the pandemic in some ways because it was all about like how, like, w- what is really important and mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And right, right. And when you have nothing else, what is uh, important? And so, right, right, right. It really is all about community and communal love, people taking care of each other. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's what made it special. It, it was about, you know, in my view, the group of people that we like to call, you know, misfits or losers or people who just don't quite, you know, fit, you know. Uh, and and it, it found value in those people who were sort of like on the periphery of things, you know. Uh, and it, it showed you that how these people sort of clung to each other and might they were like family, you know, they might have squabbles, they might have tiffs and riffs, but in the end, 
as you saw, as as the second season kind of went through its process, everyone kind of comes together and 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 supports each other, and that's a message that's needed right now. You know, it's it's a very special show, and there's so many different levels of it to dissect it and say, well, what does it mean? But I think what we were just saying is the, is what I got from it when I first read it, as well as you know the Dudley family. Uh, you know, how people deal with grief, how grief uh, affects people and how, it you know, the life can change on a dime, you know, mm. uh, and, and what do you do with it? Uh, and, and they're trying to recalibrate and reset their, their, their focus and their direction in life because it's been upended uh, with the loss of their father uh, with no real explanation or evidence to what really happened, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, and when I came across the show, I was experiencing a, a surprise loss in my own personal life with my younger brother. And it, it threw me for a loop because it just came out of nowhere. It was totally unexpected. Uh, so I really kind of connected to that part of the show, you know, uh, Wyatt's uh, journey and, and, and Sonia's journey, their characters are really, are really connected to that story because uh, and what, and what, it, what it meant to the show because I was kind of living it at the time I was shooting the show, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and the humor of it, the, the, the social commentary, that's kind of layered in it. Um, and I guess Ernie was just a role for me uh, that came out of nowhere. And I just couldn't believe that uh, I was going to get a chance to really do this guy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, because he was so well written and it's so unusual for to my friends who are actors would would call me and say, man, I don't believe I don't believe what I'm seeing this role that you're doing. I haven't seen a role like this, you know, for for an older African-American actor with this kind of depth, this kind of this kind of reach. And um, it it was I was in heaven for two seasons. Uh, It was just I. I would call my wife and say, I can't believe the scene I get. I'm going to get a chance to play today. What, what I have to do, you know, I would be excited about. Um, and the challenge was that it was block shooting. And I had never block shot, you know, where say you got episode one and episode two, and there's a scene in the same place mm-hmm. for in each episode. So you you do one and then you do the do the other. And, and so you basically you're learning stuff for both episodes as you go along. And I got on the show late and, you know, you really want to do well because you're excited about the part. And I'm going like, oh, man, you know, it (laughs) took me a few episodes, uh, a few weeks to really kind of get into a groove with that because I had done that before, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, in in that way um, where everything was sort of set up and and done in Paris, you know, we were going to shoot everything out of this location and then go shoot everything out of that location. And so I'm, I'm learning, I'm working around the clock. I'm learning stuff on the weekend for the next week for both episodes that are coming up. And, and, um, and it took a while to get into a nice rhythm. Uh, but uh, it, it was just a wonderful experience uh, for me as an, as an actor. Yeah. Um, one of the best I've, I've I've had in a long time, you know. 
So you mentioned that you came to the show late um, and you talked about sort of a, a role, you know, kind of a role of a lifetime or one of the roles of a lifetime. Can you tell well, us a little bit about just how you got to be cast and your sort of your route to the lodge? Well, well, yeah, this is an interesting story because remember I was telling you that I was going through my own personal grief and, um, and my brother, uh, I live in LA, my brother who uh, was a pastor and a college professor lived in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, and uh, my mom was there also in a nursing facility. And, you know, we sort of had things kind of worked out where we believe each other and go back and forth and look after her and all of this. And so he, he passed suddenly and uh, it threw me for a loop. And I had to decide how, how to deal with my mother in terms of caretaking and all of that. Brought her to L.A. It didn't seem to work out. It wasn't going to work out. So I took her back where she was. And for a minute, I was just like, uh, I don't feel like working. I'm just going to take a break. You know, I'm just going to chill for a while. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. so we have a house there that we grew up in. There. My, my, my remaining brother and I, you know, we maintain it and we would go back and forth. And so I was just I was just hanging out down there, you know, and I get a call about uh, the script and Lodge 49. And I'm in L.A. I mean, I'm in Little Rock and I'm talking to my manager here in L.A. And I'm saying, you know, I'm not really I'm not really interested right now. Um, I, I'm just not in the mood, you know, to go through all, all of that and jump through all of these hoops. And I, I'm, I don't want to work right now. You know, I'm being all dramatic and, you know, and um, and she said, well, OK, you know, let me know if you change your mind. And so I'm thinking I'm laying up in the house and and I'm thinking, you know, I really have a pretty good management team and they kind of working pretty hard for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I should at least read the script, <laughs> you know, <laughs> before I just say no, you know. The, and uh, so I called back up. I said, well, send me the script, will you? And uh, let me read it. And they sent the script. I read it. And I was like, wow. I can't believe this. What the hell is this? This is this is like manna from heaven, you know. I mean, this is this is really some good original stuff. I've never seen. And what 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 took me about it was you couldn't really you understood it, but you couldn't really define it necessarily. You know, being a modern day fable, as it was sort of said on the script. You know, I guess that leaves the door pretty wide open as to what it could be. We, we know fables make comments on, on the world that we live in through animal characters and sort of, you know, all this kind of thing. And, and so it was sort of like a play on a fable, you know, and you could see uh, the commentary running through it and this perspective on life that was sort of tilted and sat at an angle and, and, and was just different and, it was just such an original piece of work, you know? It was almost like an experiment. Let's see if we put this on TV and let's see if it works, if people can really get behind this. And then of course, on a personal level, like I was saying earlier, the character of Ernie Fontaine, you know, this guy who's on the cusp of being extinct, (laughs) you know, uh, and trying to find uh, a, a place in the world for himself, a sense of like 
my life has meant something. My, I've accomplished something. Uh, I haven't just lived in vain, you know. Uh, uh, I want my face on the wall, that type of thing. You know, I want to accomplish something. And um, and I, I I could I could relate to that. You know, I could relate to that desperation and desire that he had. Um, and and I and I thought that was so so uh, so well drawn. So I I, uh, I called my manager back and said, "Well, look, I, I think uh, I'm going to have to give this a shot." You know, and it was one of those things that sometimes you run across things that you feel uh, are destined to be yours. You know, you you feel you you read it and you you sort of connect with it in a way where you know that if you put your best foot forward you're going to get good results. You know, I, I felt that the part was for me, you know? So there was a, uh, a woman that I had grown up with who had some uh, skills as an actor growing up, you know, and I called her and I asked her to, uh, to test with me. Uh, and we read a scene, uh, the scene where I'm with uh, Linda, you know, and I'm saying, I, you know, I want my face on the wall and I want to accomplish, you know, we're lying in bed and talking. It was really a nice scene and uh, send it in. And the next thing I know, uh, you know, when I get to L.A., I meet the producers and next thing you know, um, it's my part. But I got about 10 days to get to Atlanta and get myself all set up because production is going to start. You know, they've been looking for this, the actor to play this role, you know. And I was like, maybe the next to the last guy cast, you know. So I had to jump back to L.A., get packed up, you know, get a place in Atlanta. You know, then the scripts, the scripts start pouring in and I'm reading all these scripts that, yeah, and that we're going to start work on almost immediately. So I'm inundated with work all of a sudden, you know. Uh, um, but that's how it all started. You know, that's, that's how it came to be where, you know, uh, I'm laying up there thinking about my own personal loss. And uh, this was given to me to uh, get away from that and, and just do my work. Uh, so it was a real gift to me at, at a time when I was kind of um, in my own sort of uh, uh, Dudley type of uh, space, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's my story, I guess. That make any sense? Or? Make, yeah, <laughs> totally. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know you know it's not quite the same, but uh, when Chris told me about the show, uh, I went and watched the first episode, and it really connected with me because my I had just I had just lost my father. Mm -hmm. Similarly, I think the way the, the you know the Dudley twins are have lost their father, right? So that was like one immediate thing to me. I mean, I love the show for lots of reasons outside of that, of course. Uh, but I do think that there's something, the reason why we all feel so, uh, attached to it in some ways is because it, it, it always, it, it's for all of us, it all, it hits like something on the inside that connects deeply. And, mm -hmm. you know, even, so I, I had many more experiences that way as I watched the show, but on my immediate watching, I was just like, it, it, it just was like very powerful to me because I had just lost my father Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, you know, a very similar attachment to the show. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, 
I can think anyone who's who's dealt with that, well, most people have dealt with that in their life, the, the sense of loss and and how do you assimilate that loss and how do you how do you live with it uh, and how do you adjust to it and which is what uh, what Dud's journey is and Sonia uh, lives, you know, um, they're both trying to find find that make that adjustment. It, it, you know, it, it's really, it, you know, sometimes when I would be shooting it, it almost sometimes, remember, remember the, the, the little rascals, you know, <laughs> and, and they would be, they would go on these adventures, these kind of like crazy capers. And, a little, uh, and sometimes the, the show reminded me of that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even yeah. though we were adults, it had this sort of madcap like quality to it. Uh, and a sort of, uh, innocence of children in a way, you know, because even though there was like, say, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, Linda's husband's name, uh, who Eric played it. Scott. 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 Yeah. <laughs> even though Scott and I were adversaries, <laughs> you know, there was never any sort of maliciousness in the show in terms of one character towards another. There was never any real deep-seated animosities. As much as Scott should hate Ernie, you know, you really don't see that. You see the rivalry. You see you you see uh two guys, you know, going after the same woman, but you don't you don't see any animosity. You don't see any any sort of uh the characters have an acceptance of each other that you don't find in, in a lot of situations. So yeah. I was I mean, trying to remember Scott's name. <laughs> <laughs> Most people would not be so uh, easygoing about, or like, ex- I don't know, accepting about the idea of their uh, spouse having a mister on the side. And, uh, you know, Scott's character is, uh, there's a lot of issues with him, I think, with the lodge and right, right. Like, represents the side of it that's like, doesn't gel with the rest of it. Um, but in that one uh, idea he's a very generous person in, in mm-hmm. terms of, like mm-hmm. understanding what Connie needs right and that itself was like a, a very like you know interesting and something you don't really see in other uh shows or anything or any kind of movie or anything right, where right. somebody would be like okay with this idea you know and I, I think it has something to do with the fact that she is has a disease that she's going to be dying and Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe the that adds some expediency to it. He has a he has a selfless and an unconditional kind of love for her, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, because when I'm trying to think of a scene where he he's dealing with the idea of finding out that she has a terminal situation and you can see what what's really What's really special about the show is the kind of love that's expressed by Scott for uh, Connie. You know, mm-hmm. exactly what you just said is what makes it so special. Yeah. You, you know that uh, that Ernie and and Scott really have this really passionate feeling for for Connie. But at the same time, they both want what Connie wants for herself first. 
they, they, they're both willing to step away from her if it makes her happy. And, um, and we were talking earlier about the sense of community and the sense of caring and the sense of people doing what's best for the other person or what the other person wants, even though it's not what they want. That's what you, that's what you see in that, in that triangle there, that love triangle. You see three people who really do care about each other. And, uh, and uh, Connie is very honest with, with both of those guys about who she is and what she needs from them and what she wants from them and what she's able to give them and not give them. And everybody accepts it and understands it. Um, and everybody's there for each other when, when the time comes to be there. Um, and, and like you said, once again, there's there's no malice. I mean, look at the fight scene with Scott and I, which is, you know, and we we end up lying on the floor, huffing and huffing and puffing, and talking about Connie, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and um, we weren't trying to hurt each other necessarily. You know, we we were just venting, venting, you, you know. And those kind of relationships, you know, were familial, you know, it was that it was like what you do in families. And and that's what's uh, special about Lodge 49. You know, it's a place of uh, a place where you can go and lick your wounds. You mentioned that you got cast late, which also suggests to me that they they weren't able to find you were the right person. Right. They, they needed to wait for you and find find you. One of the last people cast. And then yeah. you sort of had to get thrown in the deep end of filming and getting used to the filming schedule. When did right. you feel like you really got a hold of Ernie as a character and really started to understand him? Because on screen, you it is so lived in. I mean, it's one of the most lived in characters on the whole show. Well, thanks. I, I, um, I never felt disconnected from him because of the, what I felt was a, a short amount of prep time. You know, I felt a little bit of a, a pressure to always be ready, you, you know, but I just took to took to Ernie like a, a duck takes to water. You know, I, I really just I just understood him. You know, I just I just uh, I didn't have to really do much <laughs> in terms of understanding him and figuring him out because the character is a he, he's. He's written, there's a sadness to him and a sense of uh, loneliness that he has. Uh, but at the same time, there's a, a, a humor that he has. Uh, uh, I mean, like, for instance, the scene uh, in the, uh, where I'm doing the push-ups, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this guy really thinks he's going to beat beautiful <laughs> Jeff, you know. He's that committed <laughs> You know, that he takes off his shirt and, you know, and exposes his pot gut, you know, <laughs> and gets down there and tries to do outdo this this young stud. And at the same time, it's funny. You know, it's very funny because it's ridiculous that I can think that I can win. Uh, but at the same time, it's very uh, illustrative of the desire and that this guy has to be taken seriously and and to uh, and to win at what he's going after. That's what was so pleasurable to to play it. That you had these 
you, you had these layers to the character where he could be just totally stupid like that, you know, <laughs> like I think I can I can do these push-ups, you know. And then, you know, you lay back rubbing your stomach, drinking a beer, you know, and <laughs> and feeling no shame. <laughs> um, but so I just would get excited. We, it's easy when you get excited about by what you have to do, you know. So I didn't really linger on. I didn't really linger on in my thinking of, well, I haven't had enough time or I, it, it, it was a little uncomfortable the, the first a couple of weeks, you know, where you, you know, I had to spend my weekends studying and learning lines and looking at scenes and organizing what I'm going to learn first, because what I'm going to shoot, you know, I had to really, I really had to prep, but I found out that my manager was telling me that she was trying to get me seen for the part of Ernie and the casting director in LA kept saying, well, no, he's not right for it. He's not right for the part. So my manager uh, submitted me like four different times on four different occasions. And finally, she kind of browbeat them into considering me for the part, which I find to be really like, are you kidding? <laughs> you know, but it also illustrates that it was kind of meant for me to play it because once I really got going with it, um, like when I did that tape in Little Rock, I, I called up a buddy uh, uh, who's uh, who's in the film business down there. And um, I said, look, we got to do this uh, audition. And uh, my friend that I had grown, grown up with and going to high school, I got her to read uh, Connie. And uh, we worked on it. We went and we did the audition. And uh, after that, it was like the doors just swung right wide open, you know. So I just connected to the material from day one and connected to the character from day one because I understood I understood Jim's uh, writing style, you know. I understood that kind of warped sense of humor that he has, you know, that that he sees life through this sort of ironic kind of lens, you know. Uh, and I, I kind of got it and, and, and felt it. And... Um, and, it was, and you could go do play the whole range with, with this guy, you know. At one moment, you can be kind of like slapstick, you know, and then the next moment you're, you, you know, it's, it's full of pathos and emotion, you know. I mean, I, I broke this this finger right here doing uh, doing Ernie, you know, in, oh. in uh, I think it was episode seven of the first season when we are uh, saying goodbye to Larry, you know. And I think we have the softball game and we end up back at the lodge. And um, and I find out that uh, there's been some uh, fraudulent stuff with the with the money, you know, uh, from uh, the guy from London. I don't remember the character's name. Very good actor. Um, and so I, I get angry and I uh, start to tear up this big photograph that we have of him behind the bar. You know, so so I start punching holes in it. I mean, it was it was big. I don't know how maybe it was about four by nine, something like that. It was a big poster, you know, and it was really. They said in the script, he tears up the poster and I'm looking at this big, huge thing. I'm like, well, I can't just rip it, you know. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so I said, OK, uh, next best thing is to just 
have one of those meltdowns, you know, where you just go, you, I can't, you know, you're so disappointed because Larry is my mentor, my, uh, you know, I really looked up to the guy, he's grooming me, he took me in when I was, when I needed some place to belong, you know, uh, and then uh, to find out that he put the large in danger, you know, the place that I revere and need, I just go off and I ended up going straight through the poster into the bar, it was a wooden bar. And I knew it when I heard it, I went, oh God. <laughs> you know, that what they call the boxer's punch, you know, this this knuckle moves, moves, moves down there. Oh, wow. And, and um, but that's what everyone, my friends would say, don't you know better than that after all these years, <laughs> you know? But I just got so, uh, into it that that mix of grief that mix of exasperation and um one of my friends said well you were mad at your brother (laughs) well yeah i guess so you know but from that being here but there was some sort of uh cathartic moment there you know you remember that scene yeah yeah definitely in fact i remember at the beginning of season uh episode 10 you're in, in the mirror and you have a cast on your arm and yeah. I, I remember thinking to myself, like, uh, wait, I don't remember <laughs> breaking his hand in last episode. So now I'm wondering. And then they explain it during but the episode. Was, but now oh, yeah. I'm wondering, was that when you had the hole in the map? Because the hole in the, in, the, in the map. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, way, there's right? a hole in the wall. Yeah. But right. Yeah. We had to write something in to justify. <laughs> they said, what happened to your hand? And I'm sitting in my lounge chair at my in my house. And I look at the wall and you see the hole in the yeah. wall. Yeah. We go, yeah. Oh, he got upset. Yeah, they about answer for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. did, uh, Secret of the Lodge there. Yeah. 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 And then even write that into season two, because that's where Paul Giamatti puts his head through that hole. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We kept the hole. We kept the hole. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah they yeah. brought it in. It's, we kept uh, it for Marvin. Yeah. <laughs> kept it for Marvin. Hold it, hold it for Marvin. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but see, that's the whole thing about it. I mean, it's like, how do you look at, at Marvin, you know, I mean, that character, you know, and of course, Paul's performance of it, you know, it's like you have these so many different levels in the show. You know, you have what do you call that uh, farce? You know, you know, I mean, what do you call that character? And then at the same time, you have very kind of real dramatic kind of stuff like with 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 that, you know, and. Sonia and uh, even Connie and Scott, you know, who are going to playing on a totally different level. And and, and then you have Marvin, who's totally insane, (laughs) you know. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the show just works on so many different levels. And I I was really praying that we would get a third season because I really wanted to see uh, what was going to happen after the end of the uh, second season, you know, when when Dud goes outside and he falls into the the muddy grave, I think it was, and you know, and and you know, it just begged for the next season. Yeah, and it was nice for to think of the show as a trilogy as opposed to just two seasons, you know. But uh, that wasn't meant to be. Yeah. So no, so many things we were looking forward to in season three, and maybe yeah. season four as well. Yeah, yeah. So really disappointed about that, yeah, but. Um, that's the that's the way the business goes, you know. Things change, so yeah. People what? change the AMC, and you know, yeah. they decided yeah. not to go forward. 
So uh, you were talking about the, you know, the madcap aspects of the show. And we, we sometimes bring up the kind of Don Quixote ask, uh, you know, themes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just thinking about the whole search for a captain, how you're, you know, looking for a captain that whole time. And yeah, did yeah. you know when you first started reading the scripts or first started working on the show, like how that was going to end up or that Bruce Campbell was going to be captain or that you would even meet a captain as a real person? Well, I was intrigued by that storyline and I like, I like, I like that pursuit of that for Ernie, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know who was going to be actually playing it uh, until we got further into the season because they, they were throwing, you know, names around and then it turned out to be Bruce. Um, uh, but that's one of my favorite sort of uh, sequences uh of the show, you know, that whole, that whole captain thing, because that's, that's where uh, Ernie's operating in that whole Don Quixote mode, you know, that quest, you know, for the Holy Grail, so to speak, you know, um, and, uh, and, and, and looking for that magic to come into his life, you know? So uh, it really gave me an opportunity to, uh, to express that about Ernie and to play that. Uh, so, that's that's just how I felt about it, you know, and everything worked for me on a very visceral kind of level. I mean, you know, in, in, in acting, when you're studying, you, you're always told about your objective and what you want and what the character's going after. And, and, and Ernie was just very clear to me about who he, who he was and, uh, and what he was going after and what he wanted. And, and getting to captain was getting to that holy grail, was getting to that entity or that thing that can unlock your dreams, you know, and, and make your dreams real. And, uh, and and the thing about Ernie is that I remember reading a review. It was the same thing as I mentioned about the, the push-ups. After a while, uh, this, this reviewer said, after watching Ernie, you began to believe that he just might get where he was trying to get, you know, which I took as a real compliment because that's what I believe uh, or felt I, I had to believe. Like the scene where I go, I forget what episode it is, but I'm looking for Captain and I'm impersonating uh, a guy at this meeting and I go up and I'm sitting in the meeting and they're talking to who they think is Captain. And I sort of get put out of the meeting when they discover that I'm not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And um, that scene was one of my favorite scenes, you know, in that whole captain sort of uh, uh, part of the character where he's searching for, for captain. And it, it had all these elements that I'm talking about. It had the the sort of slapstick the humor of it, you know, but it had the real earnest desire to connect with Captain and then to get to the get put out and you're in the elevator at the end of the scene and you and, and you see the guy who's late. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going into the elevator. <laughs> and you're trying to you look at each other where he knows when he gets up there there's something gonna be different, you know. Uh, and and that's the that's what uh, Lodge Forty Nine had to offer that you don't find in um, everyday television, you know that kind of depth and complexity and texture in in, in one little scene. 
all those different things were happening. It, it was just a real pleasure to work on. It really was. One of my favorite little scenes that you had in this sort of like run up the captain quest was, and this I think was spread over even a few episodes is when you do your little Ernie Gaines intelligence, you know, talking to the driver here, the delivery guy here, the stock man there. I love your little like Intel gather, like little mini scenes in there, but like, oh, oh, yeah. like gathering of Intel scenes are always. You mean when I'm going around on the search and I'm interviewing yeah. people? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they were all, and all of them, some of them seemed a little nutty themselves. You know? Yes. <laughs> you know, it was all a little, you know, and so Captain became this real kind of mythical figure that you began to wonder uh, if he really existed, what, what you were really going to find, and to end up sitting in a pool in the desert, <laughs> in a waiting pool, uh, playing a scene with this guy, you, you know, um, finding Captain. And, but the, the funny thing about it is just that when you think about it, this whole thing of like, you know, we have these dreams and we have these desires and and, and somehow you, you just always miss the brass ring. You know, you, you get you get close and you, you just, you know, and then you find out that what you've been searching for is uh, it's also searching for something itself. Like Captain was just as confused as Ernie. Mm-hmm. Really. I mean, his life was falling apart in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, you still don't really know if he really was the mover and the shaker that he was drawn to be by Ernie. You don't know really still what if Captain was this big mega developer, manipulator guy, or or he was just a guy who was just just trying to keep his life together like everybody else was. You know, he was in the middle of a divorce that was uh, taking him down emotionally. He was kind of like, Wondering is, you know, how you run into guys and they're kind of in their own state of uh, uh, disillusionment. And it's like, well, come on, hang out with me. Let's go to the cockfight, you know, <laughs> because he needs a distraction, you know. <laughs> you know, so um, he turned out to be much, much less than uh, Ernie hoped for, a, a big disappointment. And that's kind of one of the, I guess, themes might be a too strong a word to use, but the show... Uh, there were all these wrong turns. I mean, look at Liz. She gets she gets all the way into this corporate thing, and then she gets on the boat, and then she just decides, nah, this doesn't feel right. I'm going to dive in the water and swim home, you know? Uh, uh, so that search for fulfillment, that search for uh, belonging, that search for, uh, you know, something that makes you feel good, you know, about yourself or good inside or, you know, is very elusive uh, for most people, a lot of people, or can be, I suppose. And it gets back down to what we were saying earlier. You know, it gets down to people caring about each other and supporting each other, which is what you go into the lodge and you go there and a blaze of somebody pulls you a, a, a mug of beer and you sit and you eat some popcorn and you know, and the band is playing and you're feeding the scouts the next day and, you're, you know, you're going on your little adventure, to, you know, and your family. And it's as simple as that. But we always are looking for more. You know, we always need more. And I think that's part of it, too, as well as what intrigued me about it was, you know, Orbis closing and we're dealing with this sort of uh, working class 
middle class population that was being displaced by uh, a, a big job provider in that community and people not knowing what's going to happen next and where they're going to go. Uh, and that was a really big part of what the, what the story or what the scripts or what the show uh, was kind of dealing with, that kind of displacement, you know, that's going on around America. I mean, you can look at the Rust Belt or whatever, where there's no more manufacturing like it used to be, and things like that. So it, it had a lot of relevance to real life without hitting it straight on the head and being very direct about it, you know, under the guise of a fable, so to speak. Yeah, Captain himself, it kind of seems to represent a little bit about the uh, American dream. I mean, it's very elusive, mm -hmm. myth. It, you don't even know if it exists. And then if right. you do face it head to head, even it doesn't know it, if it exists or not. You know, it's a, right. it's a false premise. And I think casting him was sort of so perfect because, you know, he played it in a way that like left it nice and loose. Yeah. Gave you that whole, you know, because he's like kind of, you know, kind of handsome in a way and kind of yeah. way that he's whole the whole pre presentation of him, I think. It was a perfect um, simulation of like the American dream that you're kind of searching after. And, and Ernie is kind of going after it. He's not giving up yet. He's definitely older, but he's still, you know, and that's the problem with the American dream. I think to some degree too, is that like you keep, you keep fighting for it, even if it is unattainable. Right. right. What other choice do you have? I mean, you know, Ernie's like, uh, I guess 59, I think he says it. At, yeah. Uh -huh. It's like, and there's something very deep and, and tragic about the idea that he is still living paycheck to paycheck. And so right, right. the last like unicorn out there is this captain figure. And mm -hmm. he himself is a false premise mm -hmm. and he knows it as well. Right. And it's very, you know, human the way that they delivered that. And um, but yeah, I just yeah, like, like it's. It's so much fun watching the ride when you guys are, you know, throwing money down on the cockfights and stuff. And uh -huh, winning. Uh -huh. I, I admit myself that I was like, yes, it's all going to work out. But right. there's also <laughs> something very sort of very tragic about yeah, yeah, knowing yeah. that it just isn't going to work out. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that was the frustration. I mean, because there were times when I wanted Ernie to win. You know, yeah, and, and you I still you, do. It's Every just, time I watch it, <laughs> it, it just doesn't happen. You know, so is that is that whole thing also that like this whole thing in in our society of winners and losers? Yes, and um, you know we we can't accept the idea that every everybody that's quote unquote a loser is not. You know that everybody oh. can't be a winner, and everybody is not going to be a loser, and. That whole kind of mentality just doesn't work. And, and I think you see a group of people who are sort of like what, what you might call, uh, you know, in a capitalistic doggy dog, best man win type world. These are the people who have fallen a little short. And what do you do about that? How do you handle that? You know, how do you accept that? And I think that's part of what this show is about, too. These people are trying to find a way to win. I was just say you brought up the, the push-up contest, and that's one of our our favorite scenes. And we the what really, the push-up contest, uh huh, uh -huh. Um, and we really love all those scenes. You know, West Coast Super Sales, right? Where right. You and Brian Doyle Murray are kind of doing your routine. You know, you're 
old friends. Yeah. Worked together for so long, but he's always kind of doing you wrong a little bit. Er Ernie is kind of always getting the shaft. It's in favor of beautiful Jeff or just, well, some bad decision was made and he's the one who has to take the fall. Uh And, and he's manages to be a good sport about it all. Even as, even as tough as it's gotta be, you know? Right. Right. But um, yeah, there was a lot going on always in those, in those, uh, Seems that like on the surface are sometimes just hilarious, but there's, there's those undercurrents too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a little of that ageism involved in it. I mean, Ernie's mm-hmm. beautiful. Jeff is young and handsome and, mm-hmm. and, and he's given Ernie's leads, <laughs> you know, for the most part. And, and, and Brian is, is such a, such a character, <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's like this fallacy of what's winning, right? Like you are, it's like the definitions are so askew about what we actually, you know, define as winning. I think that's one of the things that the show doesn't beat you over the head with it, but there's like that sort of new way to live. There's a new way to win, right? Like there's mm-hmm, like, which mm-hmm. is a community and togetherness and those things, right? Like, so, you know, what is the finish line? And one of the things I find so heartbreaking about Ernie and your performance of it is, you know, not the American dream in terms of like the Cadillac and, you know, all that, of course that's there, but like you, you, you really have a respect and a belief in work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, that like ultimately ends up being hollow as well, even though Ernie never sort of turns his back on, on that piece. And I think it's so fascinating, you know, not even work, work hard and you'll get ahead, but just like work for work's sake. Mm-hmm. never pays mm-hmm. off for Ernie. And that, that's a really mm-hmm. tragic piece that, you know, that, and I think in those scenes with in, in super savers and, and Bob and the, the new beautiful Jeff and all of that, like, you know, it's almost like no one just, res- no one just respects that you, that you love the work, you know, and those scene that beautiful monologue you got about like driving down California in season two about like, being a road salesman and driving. Oh man. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was like, just thinking about that monologue as you were talking, mm-hmm. I was trying to remember it. It was a beautiful monologue. I can remember shooting it with my feet up on the table, leaned back in my chair. And I'm talking about seeing, looking at the highway, you know, being a road man, you yeah. know, and the beauty of the sunset as it's going down while you're on the road, you know, he loves being on the road. He loves being, what he does, he loves to work for the sake of the work, as you yeah, say. Yeah, I love you know? that part about Ernie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is what I'm saying. You guys know this stuff better than I do. <laughs> you do. Well, well, I, I mean, at the same that. time, though, I would say that, like, Ernie does know when to cut out of work, you know, a little bit. So, like, uh-huh. he's not completely too far gone. So when he uh-huh. wants to play golf, he plays golf. And when right. when he wants to hop in the van and go down to Mexico... He knows, you know what? I'm doing it. Right, right, so right. There's there's a little bit of hope. Like if he well, I, think, I think I think when we meet Ernie, he's in a place where he'll do that more now than he would have done it done it a few years ago. Yes. Because it's all about living with the with the gusto that he never had before. Mm-hmm. Uh and he's still going after that holy grail. And that gives him some bravery, some 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 willingness to take chances uh, mm-hmm. that he wouldn't have taken before, you know. So this quest for uh, captain or quote unquote success or whatever, 
gives him a spontaneity that he he never had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I remember when we first meet El Confidente, and uh, in the trailer, and he says, "Come on and go." And that's this moment where I stop, yeah, think about should I go, and he says, "Come on, you know." And I, okay, I jump in the van yeah. and we go down to Mexico. Ernie mm-hmm. wouldn't have done that five years before, or even less, maybe. He he just wouldn't have done that. But I think uh, he's been liberated to search for something more because, you know, of the of the captain thing. And now is moved to uh, all the other stuff that uh, El Confidente is supposed to unlock. Uh, it, once again, he's on that search again for mm-hmm. the Holy Grail, this time through El Confidente. So um, he's he's at a point in life where, yeah, he's like. I got to find it. There's more to it. I got to find it. And, and so he has a bravery and a boldness that I don't think Ernie had before. One thing that we've talked about often and that I personally love about your performance is just how you you bring such physicality to your performance. We talked about the push-ups. We talked about you slapping your gut. You and know, breaking you my did, hand, yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you haven't you, talked you about that whole, yet, though. <laughs> your whole body into your performance. Is that just part of your acting technique or was it part of what you start centering yourself on Ernie? Well, I, um, I guess I, I, it's hard to explain it. I, it, it, uh, the movement did was a big part of it. I mean, I remember how I used to do yeah, stuff yeah. like that when I walk, you know, and I would, I would get into the idea of I'm hungry and I got this energy and I'm going to get it, you know, uh, like we said, it's a 59-year-old man who, who's really trying to make his life make some sense to him that it never made before. And he's this is this is the last ride. This is the last opportunity. So the swagger is I'm putting as much swagger into it as I can because I'm trying to say, hey, you know, I, I'm going after this with some boldness and some surety, and um, it's now or never. For, for for Ernie. So yeah, I think I think you 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 start to embody that. You start to feel that in your body, in the way you move, in the way you walk. Is Connie responsible for some of that swagger, you think? I think I think I think so. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. I think, you know, uh she certainly feels a void for Ernie, yeah. you know, and it was a, an unrequited kind of thing in a way. You know, it never reached its full potential. Uh, so now it, uh, that's a, maybe the first piece of the puzzle for Ernie in a way is that, well, now he has the opportunity to to have a childhood love back in his life. And that gives him, yeah, a pep in his step yeah. that, that wasn't there before. I think in a lot of ways, they're, they're, they'll always be close now that they've come back together. Maybe not as a romantic couple, but you can see that Ernie and Connie have something special, you know, between them Certainly. that will, that will always be there. Um, it's just funny how she handles that situation. She gets, to, gets us both, you know, under control. <laughs> you know, we, go with, we go with the Connie plan. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. So in terms of winning, at least, so I was thinking about this, that, you know, at the end of season two, mm-hmm. you know, Dud obviously cliffhanger there. 
Mm-hmm. And then Liz also comes into the lodge and there's something going on. And she, right. Like, and then, so then we know there's, that would have gone in some new direction, mm-hmm. but at least Ernie got some resolution that he got to become sovereign and protector. Mm-hmm. And he had the, the way with getting the scrolls in Mexico. Um, there was some, it certainly wouldn't have been the end of his story, of course, but at least there was like a, a little bit of a resolution for the character that other characters on the show didn't quite get to yet. Right, right. Yeah, because the Sovereign Protector, the Sovereign Protector journey was a big part also of Ernie's a character. And um, that was accomplished at the end of uh, season two. Uh, so that's kind of tied up with the boat, so to speak. And it'd be curious to see the feeling. I didn't get much information about what uh, season three might be like, but we knew that everyone was going to now, the lodge was coming together and was going to be attacked from outside forces uh, mm-hmm. that would be trying to tear us apart. So it was going to be about the struggle to keep everything together that would have been interesting to see what Jim was going to do with that, you know, because he brought Sonia, uh, Liz into the mix. She was going to be mm-hmm. a part of the lodge, you know? Yeah. So once we get her in, we got a whole new animal now, and, and which would, which was, would have been the perfect evolution. Uh, and from there we're dealing with outside forces, you know, trying to tear the lodge apart you know, since so we, we really needed a season three. You know, yeah. I'm getting such a wave of nostalgia right now. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm now remembering the last episode and how, like, you know, hopeful it felt for the season three. And yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, and for me, you know, like, you know, I'm talking about how special it was for me as an actor. You know, I'm, I'm just like a journeyman actor, you know, a character actor who's been around for quite a few years. And uh, I've had some really nice moments, you know, in different projects along the way, uh, a movie here, um, a television deal here, or, you know, it's good stuff, but nothing as interesting as Ernie, uh, where I could sort of take a scalpel and just start scraping away delicately and seeing what was underneath and, I, nothing like that. That that lasted at least that where I had twenty episodes to just keep going with it and finding finding new things. So it's it's just a very special time in, in my life. I think was it was one of the magazines said one of the ten best performances of twenty eighteen. I'd never really been singled out like that, you know, and it wrote about me and stuff like that, along with other actors and performances that they and and the show was so well uh, received critically, you know, that we just thought, at least I thought, you know, it's, it's going to be around for at least four seasons, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but um, that's why I was happy to see that you guys were still keeping the, keeping the dream alive. Playing <laughs> it. You, you we're know. trying. <laughs> you know, I, and I, I haven't even, I watched uh, a couple of episodes uh, not too long ago, and when I hadn't seen it, any of it and since since uh the last season you know I, I i haven't even seen all of season two uh i got kind of despondent about it not being picked up and i knew it was on hulu which i have hulu but i never watched it 
I still, I did watch episodes one and two of the first season, which I really liked those episodes. Um, but that's it, mm-hmm. you know, because I just couldn't, um, I didn't want to go through those emotions of disappointment. And, you know, I just didn't want to get angry and frustrated about it. So uh, I figured uh, I better watch it because I don't, I want to see it all before you look up one day and it's not on Hulu and you go, well, where did it go? I didn't get a chance to see it, you know, but I guess yeah. I could get it from AMC or something, but it was just uh, a, a great group of people in terms of um, actors, you know, the directors that they brought in, uh, Peter Ako and Jim, you know, were a great leadership team, uh, a great writing team. Um, and, you know, everyone bought into it because we all felt like we were doing something special, you know. And so all of the actors bought into it, even our recurring characters who who uh, who were there, uh, you know, but they were recurring characters. They wanted every episode, even even our extras that we used in the uh, in the bar, in the tavern mm. uh, was a regular group of people. And we. We all bonded and got to know them. And everyone felt that um, we were doing something different in a very special way. And so there was this excitement about it and this commitment to it that you just don't find on every project, you know. And it was one of those things that you say to yourself, oh, yeah, this is why I wanted to be an actor. This is this is what it was about, you know. Um because like we were saying earlier, the show speaks about life and the, um, the, the challenges of life in a very poetic and unique way. There, there's definitely something meta about the fact that like the journey of the show with its cancellation, all that sort of mirrors like this, like the quest and things mm-hmm. are ephemeral and the, the mm-hmm. beauty doesn't last and all that. There's like these, these sort of, but, and a lot of people, when it got canceled, and I think including Jim Gavin had something similar about the, you know, and, and uh, you know, not to, not to, I agree with all that stuff, but I, I still was just like, F you, you know, let's get another season. Like, you know, like, right, it's like right. why does it all, the rug always have to get pulled out? Like, I don't, I don't want the show to be a metaphor for itself. I want a season three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, th- season. It's like to me, if you, if you were gonna cancel it, at least give it a, a third season so it can you can wrap it up. You know. Yeah. Uh, but it just left us uh, suspended, hanging in the air. You know, um, with that cliffhanger at the at the end of season two. Have you been? You know, kind of during, but then especially sort of after. I mean, yes. It, the show might have not had the volume of fans it needed to okay uh-huh. season three, but there's a certain dedication, artistry, um, loyalty around the fans of this show that sort of creates, you know, kind of this extended lodge with, you know, cast members interacting, crew members interacting. Have you been surprised by the sort of, it might be I'm a little just bit of becoming aware of it. I'm just becoming aware of it. You know, I really wasn't, aware of it until I, I ran into you guys, you know, and then I started realizing and learning that this is going on and that, and what you were saying is existing. And I had no idea that it, it was living on like that. And then I had some communication with Jim recently and he indicated, you know, that this was going on, he knew, knew about it. 
And I was like, wow, you know, I think that's so, so awesome. You know, it's great that, that, that we have that, you know, um, and it validates, I was happy because it validated what I felt about the show and, and, and that the show does touch people and that people who do want something different, you know, uh, when they turn on the television, they want to see something a, a little bit uh, adventurous, a little bit different, a little bit uh, not the same sort of cookie cutter type in, uh, entertainment. Um, uh, so and it's a very I used to tell people, if you don't like to read, don't watch our show. <laughs> it's a very it's for literate people <laughs> you know <laughs> you know you know because when i would read the scripts it was like it was it was the scripts stood on their own as a literary entity the storytelling in them was so well developed and so and so rich that it was like reading a little novella or something you know, and I like to read. I have a book club and we've been reading through the pandemic, you know, and and I always said that when we were doing a show and people would say, well, I would tell them, if you don't if you don't like to read, this is this show is for people who like to read, you know, meaning that you, you're not going to get it if you're just looking for the norm. You, it, it's, it has a literary quality to it. You know, it's, it's like it's like literature. It would put put on screen, and and I, I think you can attest to that. I think you you, you can see that in it. Um, now that you mention it, the few people I've recommended it to who did not like it are not readers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's it's for really people who can because you know there's a lot of stuff in it, and it's subtextual, and it's not all slapping you in the face. Uh, just like you talked about Captain and what he represents and what's going on with that. That's a very literate mind uh, understanding that, you know, you're not going to get it if you don't, you know, if you, if you don't have some sort of literary sense uh, yeah. of what things mm-hmm. mean and, and what we're going for. Yeah. And then you kind of judge it based on, on on whether it succeeds or not or how well it succeeds. But you, you got to have a sense of what it's what it's going for. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons that. Um, it didn't stay on the air was that it was, it was too literary. It was too different. And I was, the people said, well, yeah, I, I liked the performances, but I didn't really get what it was about, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, because it doesn't, it takes its time. Like I said, I think every actor, you, you don't get, you, you get work and you make a living. Yeah. But then every one out of maybe eight or nine, 10 projects, that you do is something that you care about doing or something that you feel good about doing or something that fulfills whatever it is within you that gives you the need to do what you do. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a vehicle to express feelings that you have that you can't even explain except through the vessel of a character that you've been given. And I think for um, all of us, you know, in that show, this gave us that in one way or another. Yeah, um, it gave us that, and that's what why the commitment to it was so, a hundred percent was so uh, uh, devoted to the show. You know, we all loved it, and we all, like I said earlier, felt we were doing something special and that had meaning. You know, 
And there were times, you know, I would I would say to myself, man, you know, what's going to happen? I'm going to this other shoe is going to drop. This is too good to be true. How do I have this part and the ability, the, the, the opportunity to to do this, to play this, you know? what's going to happen? I'm going to get to work one day and they're going to give me a script and it's going to have some ridiculous stuff that I just, I'm going to like, oh, I knew it. I knew it was too good. <laughs> you know? He drops dead from a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, something was going to happen. So, but it never did, you know, it never yeah. happened. It, and I was saying, okay, man, this is real. I couldn't believe it that I, I that this part sat in the middle of this and I would have the opportunity, as I said earlier, to just play it, you know, to be it, to to commit myself to it. And in a commercial setting, to find something like this is just unusual. As bittersweet as it is, I think you can. I mean, I hope that you and the rest of the cast and crew know that you, you created something super, really lasting, you know, like so all the things you talk about, you know, it's bittersweet that it got canceled. It didn't last. It didn't tell its full story, so on and so forth. But I think it's unquestionable that this is like a time capsule style show. And I, I think uh-huh. even the writing that's come up, even post cancelization, you know, when people go back and revisit it and big time TV critics yeah, yeah, showing yeah. up on lists. And you mentioned, you know, someone highlighting your performance, like it, it, it's going to grow. It is growing. In yeah, stature. yeah. It's, it's starting lasting. to, it's starting to do that. And I think the thing about it is because of it was written as a modern day fable, and you look at the show, you can't put you can't put a time on it. You can't really say it's happening in 1989 or 2000 or 2021 or 1953. You know, I mean, when you really look at it, there's something about it that's very timeless in uh, the design of it, the production design, like uh does car is a vintage, uh, they call it the thing, it's a vintage Volkswagen. Uh, Ernie had the old, the old a- a Cadillac, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a current model. So it's, you, it could be any year, you know, when you really look at the clothing of the different characters, you're like Ernie's stuff is pretty timeless, you know, it, it's, it's, it's retro in a lot of ways. The shirts I was wearing, the, the kind of baggy stuff, you know, um, it had a timelessness. You, it, it had something about it that I think uh, 10 years from now, you could look at it and feel like you're looking at something about the people of, of, of 10 years from now, as opposed to 10 years in the past. I think it has that sort of timelessness. Uh, and I, I may be wrong, but I certainly, I, I feel that. I feel that it's so, it's so quirky and, and, and unique that it just doesn't fit into a really a time period that's really that definitive is it, 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 bigger than that. Yeah. It's definitely post Reagan, but it, uh, other than that, it's, it's yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. broad. There's so many great. Why do you characters? say it's post Reagan? Why do you say it's post Reagan? Just because I think that uh, he had a large hand in uh, changing the way the country has been run, which has become uh-huh. very, much more corporate and, right. Uh, with a l- lot more losers than winners in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when that sort of me, me, me uh, yeah. thing started to creep into the culture. In, in relation to like the 70s that came right before it, there was this like, you know, disco and free love and long hair. And then all right. Of a there was a lot of optimism in the 70s. Yeah. 
There was, a, 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 you know, it, it was coming up out of the 60s and this whole idea that everybody felt they could change the world for the better. Everybody felt that, you know, things were going to get better through the free speech, through the free love. It felt more optimistic than the post-Reagan. Yeah, and then Reagan put the clamp down on that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, know, he he fired the air traffic controllers, as my own people said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He thought about this country and, uh, right. and how we sort of how the alignment of uh, union busting worker and versus the, you know, right. Uh, boss right. basically. Right. And, right. And then like the, the pittance that we're supposed to accept since then and how everybody's kind of gotten used yeah. to that. And, yeah. And well, sadness. I have to agree with you. I think you're right. I think it's, it's definitely post Reagan. Yeah. Although we did have that. Um, we did have that second season where we did sort of like showing how, the roots of everything. And we went back to Larry's youth and Orbis and all that. So we went back into the 50s, 60s, I guess it was. That was pretty interesting. And, you know, that that worked well. You said it earlier, too, where it's like, I think, you know, you can put s- systems aside for a second, although I totally agree in terms of the change in the 80s. And I think even those flashback episodes sort of show this. It's like, you know, the, the sort of addiction to rugged individualism is killing us. Right. You know, like, you know, it's, killing it's, us it's now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's such yeah. a false myth. And so like yeah. the show really, and I think the show, one of the things the show does is like, it shows that everybody, even the captains of the worlds are all cogs in that machine, mm-hmm. you know, so that it's just grinding everyone to dust to a degree and keeping him, keeping people away from each other. And, you know, we see that, you know, now like, you know, when we need to think about the common good, there, there's almost not even the mus- brain muscle memory reflex to mm. really understand that. It has to be like highly manufactured with people, even people who might agree with that. But like getting people to do something, you know, I just saw I was just reading this article with this woman. I'm not going to name her name, but she's like kind of an expert on relationships and stuff. And she said, you know, everything is self-care, self-help. So, you know, like, you know, and these are people coming from even necessarily bad motivations. It's just that's uh-huh. the, the culture's all self. Right, right. You know, so how, even, to, help, how yeah. to help others, <laughs> what <Yeah>. to do. <laughs> you know. And yeah. even so, like the idea of relying on others in a positive way without, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like that's that's OK. You know, you're mm-hmm. allowed to like, you know, lean on your brother a little right, bit. Right, and, like, right, kind of, right, right. And, and, We're and, supposed to be here for yeah, each other. yeah. 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 And they can lean on you. It's right, right. It's funny because things come come along in their time, and and work within a certain time that's meant for them. And maybe Lodge Forty Nine just wasn't of this time, you know, because yeah. it's really it's really not about that. You know, it's not about self care. It's not about self this, self that. Look look at how giving a character say Dud is. And in his own sort of aimless way is an elixir for a lot of people, mm. you know, uh, even the relationship he had with the, with the odd woman that he worked, worked for, you know, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. had her, had her talk to her mom and tell her mom that, you know, uh, it was good for her to, she, it was okay for her to go. She wanted to be free of her, you know, to, to give her that, that sort of give her something that she needed. He was there for her, you know, um, and he was there for the, the the people in the lodge. You know, he was there for Ernie. 
Uh, he was there for Blaze. You know, he was, uh, and and you saw the same thing from Blaze to others and Ernie and Connie and Scott. You know, you saw people sort of, as we say, getting each other's covering their backs. You know, mm. um, and it wasn't anything that was talked about or that was you know, done in any kind of broad presentational way or whatever. It was just who the people were and, and written into the fabric of the show and the relationships. And that's very counter to what you're talking about today, the kind of world that we live in. Who's going to see that and appreciate that and see that and say, wow, this is what this is saying. This is, this is, these are people who are trying to connect. And now if you live in a self-care type of, world where it's about well i don't want to do this and i don't want to do that even though it may benefit the person sitting next to you or it may be then you you're not going to appreciate something like lodge 49 it, it's yeah. not gonna it's not gonna resonate with you you know i mean you guys you look at it and you you see it and you go oh i see what this is about you know you know, I, I understand the the sensibilities of it. You know, I understand, um, understand the the humanity of it and what it's trying to say about humanity. And like a fable, it has to say it in a lyrical kind of way. You know, it has to say it through the action of it, through the story, uh, the parable, so to speak. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a very a very poignant insight you brought up you know, that you led me to, you know, that, yeah, it just wasn't for this time. I mean, you look at stuff now, we were looking at things, my wife and I, we were looking at different shows, different movies, and everything we were saying, this was a little while back when everything was raging, we were saying, everything is so dark, and there's so many horror movies, and there's so much, you know, this everything is so edgy, you know, and so, and was like, uh, I don't want to watch that. I'll read a book, you know, <laughs> you know, so, um, and this show was light on its feet. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, there was no darkness in it, even though people were struggling and even though people were in some ways disappointed, in some ways angry, in some ways frustrated, but there was no malice in it. There was, it was, it wasn't mean spirited. No. Um, so. One of my favorite, uh, parts actually is that like uh the kind of gift of the magi scene uh between you and dud when you've placed that long shot bet um and then dud covers the bet and you end up winning and yeah. i i remember just Ooh. like getting nervous about yeah. like how you were going to react when you find out that he's he's covered your bet and then the scene was so beautiful one of the most uh you know, poignant and touching moments of the whole series yeah. was, was your like sort of forgiveness and then the generosity that you show him afterwards. And in this really uh, touching moment where you, it, it's very father son, like, yeah, you kind of like teach him, you know, like you kind of give him uh, this gift of grace by mm -hmm. like explaining something deep inside of you that you hadn't really Tell, told anybody mm -hmm. one of my mm -hmm. most is well, i i find you know a lot of, and a lot of people obviously it's one of the most touching moments of the of, of the whole show yeah and um and it, it reminds me of what you're kind of talking about now right right exactly 
Yeah. That's that's the show in a nutshell. In a nutshell, it has grace, you know. Yeah, grace. Um, I mean, I think uh, Jim Gavin is a very. Uh, I don't know what he's going to write next, or if he'll do more television or not. Or I think he's working on a, no- a novel, and I think that's a sort of a natural place for him to really yeah. do what he does uh, best. Um, but. Um, the the grace that he has as an individual, you don't see it off the top because he he kind of keeps it to himself, you know, and he has this sort of this really unique sense of humor that's not that ha 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 type, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, his sensibilities are very human, you know. Yes, we'd be remiss if we didn't. We only have a couple more questions. We know we kept you a long time, so I promise mm-hmm. we need two more. We'd be a bit remiss, though, if we didn't, you know, say that as many great characters and many great connections and relationships, the show fails if you and Wyatt don't click, right? right. You know, like it, it, it really, there's so much riding on the relationship between the two of you and the show. What was it like working with Wyatt and like kind of creating, you know, that, that friendship at the heart of the show? Well, it's really something I'm like, I'm, I could be, I'm old enough to be his dad, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, it was seamless. And I say that in all sincerity and honesty, tears almost come to my eyes talking about it, you know, because he is one of the, um, I mean, he's a young guy who has a sort of maturity and a, a, a understanding of who he is and what he's doing that goes well beyond his years and he's generous to to everybody that he uh you know it, it always starts at the top if the, if the number one guy on the show is you know difficult and uh, unkind and unsupportive and ungiving it, it creates a whole totally different tone you know and and takes the pleasure out of what you what you're doing but you know we never did one of those with the, when you're casting a series for the most part, when it gets down to people who are leads and have to work together a lot, they'll they'll come up with somebody that they um, that they're interested in, and you know Wyatt was was part of the development process, so he was he was on board all along, and um, and they do what they call chemistry reads, you know, to see they bring you in to read with the guy or woman or whatever, and see if uh, if you click. We never did that. Hmm. We never did that. I don't know if we didn't have time by the time they got to me, you know, uh, maybe, you know, you just couldn't put it together. But we we never did that. We, we I just walked onto the set when I got to Atlanta and we met and we just stood off in the corner and talked for a while. Uh, and uh, and we just hit it off. We, we just hit it off, you know, um, and. Um, we still are in touch from time to time. And I just, I just think, I just think the world of Wyatt. I mean, I think his parents should be very, very happy with how he turned out as an individual and as a, as an artist, you know, um, uh, that's all I can say. I can't say enough good things about it. And I think I'm going to be working with him on another little project pretty soon. It's really? uh, like a radio drama type thing. Oh, wow. Podcast thing. So we get to we get to do it again, you know. So I'm happy about that. Uh, it should be fun. It should be easy. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, um, More to that. Yeah. So he's um, 
he's 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 just quite a guy, you know. He really is. I mean, yeah, we got we got we got very close as as actors, um, and I just wish the best for him. I know he just just had a child, and I'm happy about that. And uh, I just wish the best for him. I really do. Uh, I think he's very special. Well, if you talk to him, tell him that we don't bite, and he should definitely come and talk to us on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I let him know. <laughs> well, that leads I'm telling you, you got to get on the show. You got to get us on the show, man, and talk <laughs> to these guys. They they love the show. They, you know, and they're going to try to stump you. You're going to find out that you don't know anything, and they know everything. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're going to have fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> Study up in advance. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I wish I had. I tell you, I, I meant to, but. I said, oh, what the heck? I'm uh, a uh, yeah. I think it's fine. okay. Free jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and that leads into what I was going to ask you. You just kind of uh, started to respond with the with the um, new project with Wyatt, but I was, was going to ask, what have you been up to in the past year? And since you know production started, you know, what do you have going on? And, the, oh. and anything that's out and streaming that's new? Well, this past this past year, I had I did. Um, I did an episode of Insecure, and then I did three episodes of a show called Snowfall, and then I did four episodes of um, All American, where I played the the lead Tay Diggs' dad, and um, I did um, two episodes of All Rise, uh, which is now going off the air. So that's about it, you know, just some television, um, and like I said, I'll, I'll I'll do this. This I have to learn more about it, but this next month, sometime, I'll do this little project with Wyatt. It'll be a, it'll be actually like doing a radio show, you know. It'll be like a podcast, but it'll have all the effects and everything and stuff, uh, which which should be nice. Um, but in terms of what's coming up next, I, I can't really say that I know. It, there will be something I've I've had uh, one thing that I uh, auditioned for that uh, I know that I'm in the running for. Uh, but the production has been put on hold for now. It's supposed to come back in uh, September, so I'll I'll get the verdict on that later. And I'm hoping that that works out as another series, limited series type thing. So that would, I'm not at liberty to really talk about it, but you know that would be nice if that comes through. But um, I'm just in a holding pattern right now. My first uh, grandchild is going to be born in September, so. I'm getting ready for that. Nice. <laughs> so just just doing life stuff, just doing some life stuff. Redefining winning, right? Redefining winning. <laughs> I like that. That's that should be a bumper sticker, man. <laughs> Put that on redefine, redefining winning. You know, put that on your little jalopy. You know. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brent, thank you so much. Uh, you know, we have absolutely nobody's ear in Hollywood or in in television production, but uh, you know, I I think, and, and I know my my co-host would agree. You gave one of the most amazing performances that we've seen in a in a long time. Well, you know, we don't you. want to be fanboy out too much, but it, Ernie from the, the the pathos, the humor, the uh-huh. the realness, we just. You know, we we love this character and we love what you did with it. Well, thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me on. I, I hope this uh, grows and grows and you pull more 
uh, lodge fans into it, and it's something that people uh, it brings people to uh, an appreciation of the show and, and what we were trying to do. So I appreciate it. Thank you a lot. Yeah, and, and who knows, yeah. miracles happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well you, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. You guys be yeah. safe out there. Be smart and uh, think about others. <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs>